Welcome to Wizard Team, a Harry Potter cast for true Potterheads. Each week, we discuss a chapter from the series with all of our knowledge of the Wizarding world. Be warned that this is a spoiler-heavy podcast. I'm Robin, and we're really excited to go through these chapters and discuss all of our thoughts and feelings about the book. Today, we're discussing chapter 29 of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, The Lost Diadem. Diana is still trying to navigate the flu network home, so filling in for her today is Portia. Hi, everyone. Director of Shade, resident intellectual, lead researcher for the Harry Potter Alliance, you know, all those things. You know Portia. If you've gotten this far into the podcast, you know Portia. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm in here. <laughs> she be out here. I mean, I'm in here. <laughs> um, okay, so we have some announcements and reminders. We want this podcast to be interactive and want to know your thoughts. So please feel free to tweet along. Use the hashtag wizard team on Twitter to join the conversation. Love our blog. Love wizard team. Have a few extra galleons just lying around. Donate to Black Girls Create. You can become a patroness or send a cheering charm at blackgirlscreate.org slash donate. And we have Wither Team merch, so head over to our website and step up your nerd fashion and stationary games. If you want to support but don't have the funds to do so, rate and review Wither Team on iTunes. And subscribe to Black Witches Weekly, our newsletter curated by Wizard Bay Deborah, with nerd news, links to what's been going on. If you want to be in the know, be sure to subscribe. Go to blackgirlscreate.org. And now for Wither Team news. We don't really have that much news. Um, we will be at LeviosaCon June 27th through the 30th in Los Angeles at Lowe's Hotel. Believe the live wizard team will be on Saturday. Um, but check the web- their website for um, updates to the schedule because, you know, things are still being solidified and could get moved around at any time because, you know, con life. So you can check that out at Leviosa2019.org. Leviosa, not Leviosar. Um, yeah. Please don't be Ronald Weasley. Let's not. Don't be Ronald. Leviosa2019.org. And we have magical birthdays. Um, Kindy's birthday was Tuesday. Draco's birthday is today. Um, so, you know, Draco Malfoy, your favorite bad boy slash mm, junior Nazi Hitler youth. The, the Nazi that you love to hate, you know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I guess I feel, yeah, that's how I feel about him. I do not, I also love to hate Snape, but like my hate for him is super, super valid as is for Draco, I guess. Yeah. I mean, they're like the two main antagonists that are there throughout all the books. I mean, Tom as well, but. Like, he's an abstract for a bit. Yeah, like, he's like an his abstract. Body, his soul is amorphously. He's a wisp of the wind. Um, but yeah, to, uh, Draco and and Snape are just out here being terrible from jump. Um, so yeah, um, it's also Dudley Dursley's birthday tomorrow on Thursday. Your favorite Muggle that you love to hate, um, actually. Marge deserves that. Yeah. 
I was gonna say, there's a lot of muggles that deserve the hate. Dudley's father, Marge for one. Marge and Vernon, especially. If Marge and Vernon are the way they are, their parents must be some real. All I want to know is the backstory to the Dud. Like, what are the Dursley or the Dursley grandparents yeah. like? How do you create a Vernon and a Marge? What is that house like? You're you're a piece of crap. Like you, but like both of their parents were awful people. Awful. What does that house look like? And they oh must. Have, and I wonder if they liked them that way too. Like they wanted. Like this is this was done intentionally. They wanted their children to come out this way. Right. They were like, like rewarding this behavior the whole way through. You yeah. Know? They were like, yeah, this is, um, this is the type of behavior we want to see. This is we're so proud of <laughs> Vernon and Marsh. House Dursley. <laughs> Is, yeah, you know, doing going strong with its um, sexism and all the isms and phobias, racism, like classism, uh, magicism. I don't know what that is. That's not it, right. We it's a thing now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> calling people um, freaks for no reason, just freaks. They just really love the word freaks, you know. Yeah, bad blood will out. Talking about people's dead parents in front of them. Talking about babies' dead parents in front of them. I mean, alluding to them being like the same as dogs and breeding things out and in. Right? Like, Ooh, honey. Good mm. lord. Ooh. Ooh, what is that house like? I can't. Um. Okay, so those are our announcements. So that was our news. Um. They didn't really have any news, but you know that was that was that. Um, so previously on Wizard Team, uh, Harry, Ron, and Hermione operated into Hogsmeade. Um, immediately, they were set upon by Death Eaters and were rescued by Aberforth, um, Dumbledore, and proceeded to get you know. A hero splaining? A, uh, I don't know. It was a very expository chapter in which Aberforth told his side of the Dumbledore saga and what he, how he felt about his brother and his sister Ariana and what really happened um, and how he feels about Dumb uh, Albus Dumbledore's machinations when it comes to, uh, you know, people's safety and well-being. <laughs> in his grand scheme and plans. You know, uh, we got to learn more about goats, which we were, you know, not very Right, you know, with an assist from, you know, Amani, the master, portrait master. Yeah, the the Department of Portraiture has been out of control lately, and their department head, Amani, just really encourages their free thinking which kind of like ends up encouraging the channel to to go down a long rabbit hole of misery a long rabbit hole of misery i mean we saw it all <laughs> last week and i for one am hoping that the department is a little bit more chill this week i mean you Please. would think like this chapter is not very like, you know, it's not like there's not a lot happening where you're just like, oh, yeah, at any moment, the Department of Portraits is going to be ready to just, you know, take us take this down to a whole other level. But you never know. 
Like you really, you never know. know. I really get like one or two goat jokes and move on. But we like they broke Bayana. Really, the reason why Bayana's not on the podcast today is she's still broken. (laughs) She's still putting herself together (laughs) because (laughs) she's Humpty Dumpty. All the king's horses and all the king's goats. Um, <laughs> couldn't put Bayana back together in time for this recording. Oh, God. Um, yeah, so that happened. Uh, we learned more. So after we learned about uh, the backstory of Ariana Dumbledore and Albus, um, Harry Potter basically said, cool, um, that's great. And I'm still going to do what I'm going to do. And, you know, it's above me now. Um, And then Neville showed up and was like, Harry, homie, what up? Let's go. And that's what happened. I'm making this face because Amani put something in the chat and I just want to go to sleep. (laughs) So... So you've all seen the Chris Evans memes with the full acrylic sets and the different hairstyles. And Imani, oh God, as a way to to show how chill and um, quiet the Department of Portraiture is, Imani decided to make... <laughs> Thomasy, a meme with the, you know, because Thomasy already got those nails. I don't know if he did much to the nails, but he did right. give her like Shanene braids. And yeah, he's bitch. That's great. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're, ma- they're majestic. It's, it's <laughs> fine. It's great. It's, we're good. It's not fine. I'm not going to look at it too long. I'm just, it's not. It's something. It's not fine. Fine isn't what it is. It's something. But um, yeah, before we even started, get the chapter started, Amani's benched. And we'll sit with that while we get a break from our sponsors. Okay. Yeah. Do those things that we said in in that time frame and stuff. I personally can't wait to do the things that you and Bayana outlined for us all to do just now. Yeah. As we were recording. Yeah. She just came, she just popped in off the night's bus and then went back on the night's bus real quick. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. So we are at chapter 29, The Lost Diadem. I will say, okay, I, the, the chapter illustrations I have issues with, but this one, in particular, like, did Marie Le Pen not get the memo that Neville gl- glowed up? He glued, I he blossomed. Like, I feel like she's basically she's trying to show us in this illustration that Neville is so beaten up and like he's been room of requirement for so long that he's just a little shaggy. What she's trying to portray is the 
he's he's on you can see his glow you can see his shine but because he's unwashed version of his glow up then you're like oh neville just nah man i think he looks like because he, he needs a good bath and a, and a good cut don't wash he needs to wash all that <laughs> pretty fun the room of requirement i am <laughs> sure the room of requirement has required or acquired no we're gonna we're gonna get there right because i made a note i made a note about it i, I thought you know i was like Brianna will appreciate the fact that i caught the mention of wash in here and when you when we get there you'll be like mm, hmm, hmm, hmm. <laughs> all just right like those red washing Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Latte says Bay is tall. <laughs> All caps. I mean, tall. I'm gonna make up for stink. It's tall. But it's okay. <laughs> it's good. All right. Neville, what the how? But Neville had spotted Ron and Hermione, and with yells of delight, was hugging them too. The longer Harry looked at Neville, the worse he appeared. One of the eyes is swollen yellow and purple. There was a gouge marks on his face and his general air of unkemptness suggested that he had been living rough. Nevertheless, his battered visage shone with happiness as he let go of Hermione and said again, I knew, you could, I knew you'd come, kept telling Seamus it was a matter of time. Neville, what's happened to you? What, this? Neville dismissed his injuries with a shake of the head. This is nothing, Seamus is worse, you'll see. Shall we get going then? Oh, he turned to Aberforth. Abe, there might be a couple more people on the way. Um, so I just want to point out that the last time we saw Neville, he was still like pretty meek and sh shy and definitely had a lot more um, confidence, you know, especially since his like interactions in the ministry, but with not the time, like, the fact that Neville's like, oh, what, this Bruce face in BD is, like, very shocking. Like, at least it was to me when I first read it. I was I'll, like, what's happening now? Considering his, his, like, his range of, right, like, when we hear more about his backstory, I think in either, I don't think it's the first book, I think it's the second book, maybe the third even, where his uncle um, basically dropped him out the window and he bounced. <laughs> like, yeah. Like he's always have, had to have a hesitation about whether or not he's going to be okay because he's always like he's accident prone. So the fact that now he's like tortured and he's just like oh just a little scratch. I'm like I'm like either accident prone to the point where he's like I've had so many accidents, girl. I don't even know, man. Like it's fine. Or he really has just like stood up in torture. Sure, fine, whatever. It's not like, in comparison to how bad some other kids have had it. I'm fine. Yeah, and I think it's probably, for me, it's always read like it's the latter because even through all of that stuff, you know, like he was very reserved. And like, even when he, I don't know, this might've been the movie and he's like, it's why is it always me? You know, like he's not like, he, he, he doesn't really believe in his Gryffindorness until much later. Um, mm -hmm. And even still is not like, running towards the fight you know like mm -hmm. he, he ran with or he went with um the trio and luna to the department of mysteries but that's like they're his friends and bellatrix is you know 
out in a boot and like he has like like Harry, he has real skin in this game. You know, it's like a really personal fight for him. Um, and literally, he's having having the skin sloughed off his face for the game. <laughs> Portia, I can't bench you. It's too early, and I need you for the rest of this chapter. So, I mean, cool okay, it. I'm just saying. Um. So yeah. Also, I want to check in with the chat because Tiana says first of all, Portia. You look fabulous in those glasses. Second of all, Amani, how, why, and no to those braids. When cultural appropriation goes wrong. And yes, Portia, you look fabulous. You look marvelous, darling. Um, Thank you. I thought. I really, I was like, I was trying to make a whole, I had a whole cute fit today, including, I can't, I don't know if you can see it, y'all. I'm trying. Um, Your diadem pin. I got a diadem from this really cool person um, at LeakyCon last year. Apparently there was like that loot box that I refused to purchase um, mm-hmm. because I'm not giving more money to JK and her Wizarding World shenanery as much as I possibly can. Like on a monthly basis, just feels like it's a commitment that I would be pissed off at myself about. Um, but apparently they were they have really cool limited edition things in there. I spotted it. Someone was like, you love this pin so much. And she gave it to me at the end of the con. She was like, it's your pin. It's always been your pin. I was like, oh my gosh. This is the most amazing Ravenclaw thing to ever happen to me. I got the diadem pin. So yeah. I mean, um, just another example of how the Harry Potter fandom is much better than <laughs> the sanctioned Harry Potter. Yeah. We just continue to grow apart in like <laughs> different ways. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, if the item pin, just to say, I'm saying all that because, like, I don't know where they are. I just got lucky and got one. Um, maybe they can you can find item pins, but I love this pin so much, and I've been trying to keep it preserved <laughs> as much as possible because I don't know if I could ever find another one. Yeah. Um. So, also in the chat, Latte says that this shows how the sorting helps us grow into what we struggle with not just what we identify with the most. And Neville is very Hufflepuff, but that house wouldn't give him much growth. He grew with Gryffindor. And I think we've talked a lot about sorting and we'll continue to talk a lot about sorting. And like, one of the things is, what traits do you uphold or do you value or do you want to aspire to become to? Um, And Neville Mm -hmm. definitely is one of those, students where at 11 he definitely wasn't embodying the spirit of Gryffindor but it was probably I think that's why I think what I really appreciate about Dumbledore mm-hmm. um, at the end of the first year um, because whenever he makes that point to give Neville the final 10 points for standing up to his friends that's an act as an act of bravery which is a Gryffindor trait he's also alluding I really loved making that connection later on um, in life after how, I don't know how many read reads it just like clicks in my brain that Dumbledore is alluding to himself how he had to stand up to Grindelwald. Um, he had to stand up to his friends and Neville that had that very strong Gryffindor trait at only 11. And so it was like, you are Gryffindor Neville and you are King Gryffindor because you know, you gave the house the final 10 points in your first year so that they could be Slytherin for the first time and who knows how long. And a I resident intellectual, y'all. She be out here, her and her brain. Ooh. 
I'm so excited to get to the rest of the chapter. Your brain. Um, okay. So, a couple more repeated Aberforth, honestly. What do you mean, a couple more long bottoms? Um, there's a curfew and a caterwauling charm on the whole village. Um, I know, that's why they'll be operating directly into the bar. Just send them down the passage when they get here. Will you? Thanks a lot. Neville held out a hand to Hermione and helped her climb up into a gentleman. Helped her climb up onto the mantelpiece and into the tunnel. Ron followed, then Neville, and Harry addressed Aberforth. I don't know how to thank you. You've saved our lives twice. Look after him then. And I might not be... A word. Um, said Aberforth gruff, gruffly. I might not be able to save him a third time. I love... Because... I think it like reinforces something that um, Remus said to Harry in the third book, which is like people are putting their lives on the line for you. And then you go and you're reckless with that life that everyone's doing a lot to save. Um, mm -hmm. And like, you know, one of Harry's biggest traits is like his penchant for self-sacrifice, but mm -hmm. like Aberforth and a He's lot of the like, young um, around him. Captain America in the first one, like different on the grenades. Yeah throwing himself on that damn grenade. And like Aberforth and uh, Albus and Remus are all, you know, Peggy Carter being like, yo, you are important, you know, and you, your life is not worth sacrificing. I mean, not Albus so much because <laughs> we'll find out. But, you I know. Like, Albus was like, as far as, insofar as he was trying to figure it out as much as he possibly could without having to put Harry directly in the line of fire and then Harry kept putting himself directly in the line of fire. He was just kind of like, I mean, the kid keeps doing it. And I mean, I should be better about sending him away from this, but this might be <laughs> And I mean, I get why people are mad at Dumbledore, but I mean, I also could see like, I mean, the Ravenclaw part of experimental, experimental me is like, I mean, I see it because you got to play around with what's happening here. Like, Can I just say, you Ravenclaws, I'm excluding myself. You, um, <laughs> Penelope Clearwater ass Ravenclaws. <laughs> Us little love good Ravenclaws. Yeah, looking at y'all. Yeah, because I just feel like, first off, you dig up the graves. <laughs> Digging up graves <laughs> has a means to an end. Now you're like, well, you know. Sometimes you just gotta sacrifice a baby. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I thought sacrifice. I mean, did did Dumbledore sacrifice a baby? No, but did he like when Harry kept involving himself in these things that he could should just he should just stay away from? Did he um go? You know what? I'm gonna put Harry Potter in a box so that he never gets involved in these things ever again until possibly the very end. No, he let the boy do what he wanted to do. To an extent. And I mean, is it a problem? Yes. Did he need guidance? Need more guidance from Dumbledore? Sure. He had to let things go out. He see where it was going to go. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I know about it's company, but I mean, I just, I can see where some of that is coming from. Yeah, I guess. Um, 
So Harry climbs up into the mantelpiece and through the hole behind Ariana's portrait. There were smooth stone steps on the other side. It looked as though the passageway had been there for years. Where? How long has this been here, Ron asked as they set off. It isn't on the Marauder's map, is it, Harry? I thought there were only seven passages in and out of the school. They sealed off all of those before the start of the year, said Neville. Now there's no chance... There's no chance of getting through any of them now, not with the curses over the entrances and the Death Eaters and the mentors waiting at the exits. He started walking back. What about the witch's hump? Huh? What about the witch's hump? Nobody knew about that one. That was only that was like a Marauder only and Fred and George only thing. Someone found out. How though? I don't know. We it, That's what I'm saying. It's like, they didn't have the map. Perry had the map. So how do they know? I don't know, man. These are questions that I have reading through this chapter. I don't know. Anyone? Oh, they said Snape. Another reason to hate that motherfucker. But Snape didn't know. Snape would have had access to the map and to um, the orders things. He was suspicious about the hump. And then Maggie, Maggie says that if you explore as much as the original Marauders did, they could have deployed some kids and then they found it. Um, Ooh. And yeah, because he was suspicious, he got here around that area multiple times. They probably just have a guard, even yeah. if he doesn't know exactly where. Um, he probably just has. They probably have someone trolling that entrance, you know. Because he says they they're filled off um, with curses over the entrances and Death Eaters and Dementors waiting at the exit. So um, they may not. You may be able to get in um, from the witch's hump but you can't enter Hogwarts because there's someone trolling that area. Um, never mind that stuff. Is it true? Did you break into Gringotts? Did you escape on a dragon? It's everywhere. Everyone's talking about it. Terry Boot got beaten up by Caro for yelling about it in the Great Hall at dinner. Yeah, it's true, said Harry. Neville laughed gleefully. What did you do with the dragon? Released it into the wild. Hermione was all for keeping it as a pet. Don't exaggerate, Ron. I just, you know, this sentence is all for Amani and Bayana. Yeah, I think it's hilarious because, like, what else are you going to do with the dragon? But I don't even think that Hermione, he, like, she was saying, don't exaggerate around, because literally, like, say, like, she was like, like, get hurt while it's, like, over here blind and everything. And Harry and I are like, it's okay. It'll just take care of itself. Like, so I could see he's joking. But at the same time, it's funny because he's making her sound like she that Hagrid like rubbed off on her. Like yeah. she's like one of those. Like, Let's save the dragon. Yeah, I think it's just I think it's really <laughs> funny because like yeah, the dragon is blind. It has been in captivity for a very long time, but like it's a goddamn dragon. Like and y'all are on the run, so you know if the dragon want to be free, the dragon gonna be free. <laughs> I just feel like. I don't, I just, you know, we, we kind of talked about like, you know, um, it's, at one point in this flack, we were talking about, um, animation, like animated movies and things that were really scary. And I pointed out that to me, um, Sleeping Beauty has always been my first horror film and Maleficent as a dragon, like gave me a healthy fear and respect for dragons and like, I just feel like if a dragon won't be, wants to be free, it shall be free. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is the end of that. <laughs> yeah. I, would be, so, I would love to hear 
in the, the magical world if people have ever transformed into dragons. Like, are there any Maleficents up in the wizarding world? That'd be interesting. Oh, that would be real interesting. Also, because, like, we hear about, like, James turns into a great big stag. Um, mm-hmm. And I've always wondered about depth in the chat. Hey, Deb. Hi, Deb. Um, but yeah, I've always wondered about that, like mass ratio. Um, mm-hmm. And I know magic, but like, is there something about, you know, if you're kind of a, on, on a smaller scale, you turn into a smaller animal? Because um, like, how does like, how would you magically become something like that weighs two tons or, you know what I mean? Like I just, this, like the scale there just baffles me, but I would love to hear about that. Um, yep. So then Neville asked, asked them, what have they been doing? People have been saying you've been just been on the run here, but I don't think so. I think you've been up to something. You're right. But tell us about Hogwarts Neville. Uh, we haven't heard anything, said Harry. It's been, well, it's not really like Hogwarts anymore. Do you know about the Caros? Those two Death Eaters who teach here. They do more than teach, said Neville. They're in charge of all discipline. They like punishment, the Caros. Um, that reminded me of Timothy saying, I can make people hurt. <laughs> they like punishment. Um, like yeah. Umbridge, no, they make her look tame. The other teachers are all supposed to refer us to the carers if we do anything wrong. They don't, though, if they can avoid it. You can tell they all hate them as much as we do. Amicus, the bloke, he teaches what used to be defense against the dark arts, except now it's just the dark arts. We're supposed to practice the Cruciatus curse on people who've earned detentions. What the fuck? We, we haven't had one of these in a long time, but this is a school. The hell? Also, we're like students on students. Yeah. Imagine being the student. Okay, so that is like traumatizing on both ends. So you have other <laughs> students. Yeah, and you have students, their detention is to sit in a class and let other students torture them. So I don't know if that means that they're having, that all the students have to go to the detention later in the day, if they're just having the students during their own own class time being tortured their own their other classmates like it's just it sounds like the the latter but it's it's all awful also imagine okay so imagine being the student who has to do the cruciatus curse on a fellow student and then you what go to the great hall for dinner and you just see them what do you say like, how do you be, you know what I mean? Like, I feel and like then the if Slytherins you're in the class, care. the Slytherins definitely don't care. But also if you're in the class and then you refuse to do the Christianus curse on a classmate, then you probably get detention and have the Christianus curse on happen on you. But that can backfire like, really easily. If class, the Gryffindors have dark arts, like dark arts for the Slytherins, right? Or do they not have it? Is it not doubled? I can't remember. But I can't remember if it's if it's a doubles. If it's like Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw, then you could pretty much like there's probably going to be people who refuse to do it, and the whole class could refuse to do it because there's class unity. And then what do you do then? 
it's a minefield of issues happening here. Yep. Um, yep. Latte asks, if you don't do it, does that mean you get imperious? Um, which like, I don't, I don't, it's a minefield. It's the, so many questions, so many things that can go wrong. Also, if you're not, if you're learning how to Cruciatus, I mean, Harry tries to do it and it doesn't work. Um, mm -hmm. And like Bellatrix, I think is, is the one that says like, you have to mean it. And I'm, mm -hmm. Wondering if like I'm wondering how effective it is because I'm assuming a lot of students that are not Slytherin or not like sadistic even even Slytherins aren't mm. all sadistic um, They they just wouldn't be able to do it right like you'd have to really like summon up a lot of like hate and rage to get an effective Cruciatus curse um, Deb says the teachers probably punish the students if they don't do it um, so yeah, and Amani asked, um, if we're saying Nazis don't have the best pedagogy for child safety and yes, yes, we are saying that Maggie, asked, Maggie says that she guesses if you're weak willed, maybe the person in piercing you can mean it enough for you. And Delia adds, I don't care who does it, but someone is getting crucio today. Now you can do it or I will teachers seventh year, apparently like, also, when are they learning? I guess it's seventh year because that's Neville's the one that tells us that they're Cruciatus. They're learning the Cruciatus curse, but like, how young? They're their first years and second years, and I just, I just, I can't, I can't, I cannot. They're supposed to practice the Cruciatus curse, and Neville says that's how he got this particularly deep gash on his cheek. I refuse to do it. Some people are into it though. Crab and Goyle love it. First time they've ever been top in anything, I expect. Electo, Amicus's sister, teaches muggle studies, which is co compulsory for everyone. We've all got to listen to her explain how muggles are like animals, stupid and dirty, and how they drove wizards into hiding by being vicious toward them, and how the natural order is being reestablished. I got this one, he indicated another slutch's face, for asking her how much muggle blood she and her brother have got. Blimey, Neville, said Ron. There's a time and a place for getting a smart mouth. You didn't hear her, said Neville. You wouldn't have said it either. The thing is, it helps when people stand up to them. It gives everyone hope. I used to notice that when you did it, Harry. And I just... I love this whole passage. I, I do too. I'm just like, I'm in my feels this entire page. Um, but they used you as a knife sharpener, said Ron. Neville shrugged. Doesn't matter. They don't want to spill too much pure blood, so they'll torture us a bit if we're worthy, if we're mouthy, but they won't actually kill us. Like, imagine being a 17-year-old. The next line. The next line, though. Get the next line in there. Okay. The only people in real danger are the ones whose friends and relatives are outside. No, no, no. You skip oh. one. Harry did not know what was worse. The things that Neville was saying are the matter-of-fact tone of what she said them. Mm-hmm. Which is, okay, like I was saying, imagine being 17 and this is just your reality now and yep. doing the, and doing the math, doing the calculations of, um, and this is like a really, it's hilarious that JK Rowling wrote this given what we know now, but this is like a very good example of how to use your privilege. Um, Neville is pure blood, how it comes from a long line of pure blood wizards. Um, and so he knows that 
he is of special value to the Death Eater world order and uses that to like test the um or to push back against the status quo and to push back against um the people in power and and is also using that privilege to help shield younger students. Um, and I think that's a great lesson to learn for everyone who has privilege and people have privileges in all different sorts of ways. You know, it might not, it might not be privilege of race, but it could be privilege of class. It could be privilege of access to education, privilege to a lot of, there's a lot of different ways in which people hold privilege in society and recognizing what those ways are and how you use that privilege then to help others who don't enjoy the same privileges um, is I think one of the central and biggest, you know, task of being human. Um, but it is all, it is still very impressive that at 17, um, Neville has like has discovered this, internalized it, and is putting it into practice. Um, yeah, and I also think that like so backing up a little bit, I just wanted to laugh a little bit at the fact that Ron, the tactless one, <laughs> saying, um, Neville, there's a time and a place to have a smart mouth, and it's like Ron, Ron. Like you've been putting stuff, you've been putting your mouth all the time, sir. Yeah, but I think he's also looking at the gashes in Neville's face and being like, "Bruh, even I <laughs> would shut up," <laughs> you know, like. Um. And then my other yeah. thing was that, and Harry, um, real like taking that moment, taking that beat to notice how it was how Neville was saying it, as well as what he was saying. Um, it reminded me a lot about. The resignation of like how the, the way that Neville was saying it was it, like it was his lived reality, and it reminded right. me of things like being a black person and just like talking about things and your experiences and just being like resigned, like this is just my lived reality. Like I don't, what can I do with it? You know? Right. Um. So Latte saying like use your privilege. And Bianca's talking about how Neville is an ally, and Latte makes a great point. Like. This is reality. It's not about you, Harry. It's much bigger than Harry Potter. Harry is merely just a Katniss Everdeen in this scenario, which I love that comparison of like, you're a symbol and you have a role to play, but also other people also have a role to play in this fight. And this is Neville's role. Hmm? Um, I'm just trying to see something. Oh. Yeah, I think that yeah, I think that it's every all of this is very valid. Like, I just like I like in this chapter that like that's one of the lessons that Harry is learning is that like like we we're gonna see that more in this chapter about like Harry's like very internalized it because he's been told to internalize it, but then as he keeps talking to his friends, he's like, oh oh wow, wait, like Dumbledore's army is a thing. Like, it's not just me; it's the army itself. Like, that's one thing I really enjoy about this chapter. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think that, you know, Amani says Harry was marked by Voldemort. That's his battle. Neville knows firsthand how dangerous the society's enabling of Death Eaters is, and he's ready on site for each and every one of them. And that's 
true and that's Neville's battle is learn like like Latte said that Harry is learning what he's fighting. Like yes, he and Voldemort are locked in their own personal like battle between the two of them because of their fates being intertwined. But he's gonna learn in this chapter that he's also talking about the world itself and that involves people who are more than just him and he needs to see that and his friends and Dumbledore's army are gonna teach him that in a couple of pages. Yes. The only people in real danger are the ones whose friends and relatives are on the outside. Whose friends and relatives on the outside are giving trouble. They've taken hostage. They've they get taken hostage. Old Zeno Lovegood was getting a bit too outspoken in the Quibbler, so they dragged Luna off the train on the way back for Christmas. Neville, she's all right. We've seen her. Yeah, I know. She managed to get a message to me from his pocket. He pulled out a golden coin and recognized it as one of the fake galleons that Dumbledore's army had used to send one another messages. These have been great, Neville said, beaming at Hermione. The Caros never rumble, never rumbled how we were communicating. It drove them mad. We used to sneak out at night and put graffiti on the walls. Dumbledore's army still recruiting, stuff like that. Snape hated it. You used to, said Harry. Well, it got more difficult as time went on. We lost Luna at Christmas and Jenny never came back after Easter. And the three of us were sort of the leaders. The Caros seemed to know I was behind a lot of it. So they started coming down on me hard. And then Michael Corner went and got caught releasing a first year. They chained up and they tortured him pretty badly. That scared people off. They chained right? up a first year. What is the first year gonna do you a-holes? And it probably was like a freaking muggle-born right. first year, you know. I mean, either way, like, <laughs> they ch a first, do you know how small an 11-year-old is? Like, I just, like, they're tiny. They're, they're little, babies. Like, they're little, little bodies with their little bitty cells. I remember me at 11 thinking I was a whole little person. Right. And I'm like, I see 11 year olds now and I'm like, dang, did I look like that when I was 11? Right. A string beam? Like, wow, dang. They're so small. And like, a, you're chaining up. The, I just. How did the chains even fit around the little kids? Like, it's a little epic they have, kid. They have, huh? made, they have made Oshkosh Bagosh chains. And I'm upset about it. Yes. Yes, rightfully. And then tortured Michael Corner, who, 17, is still a kid. So Neville continues. I couldn't ask people to go through what Michael did, so we dropped those kinds of stunts. But we were still fighting, doing underground stuff right up until a couple of weeks ago. That's when they decided there was only one way to stop me, I suppose, and they went for Grand. They what? I that love Harry and Hermione together. I love how he said there's only one way to stop me. Like he's like a um, outlaw and an old West. Like, and I suppose that's how they figured out there's only one way to stop me. I yeah. can't be stopped. I'm untamable. I <laughs> just love it. It's Neville Longbottom talking like this. Right. Um, so, yeah. Well, you can see their thinking. It had worked really well, kidnapping kids to force their relatives to behave. I suppose it was only a matter of time before they did it the other way around. 
Thing was, they bit off a bit more than they could chew with Gran. Little old witch living alone, they probably thought they didn't need to send anyone particularly powerful. Anyway, Dollish is still in St. Mungles and Gran's on the run. She sent me a letter telling me she was proud of me, that I'm my parent's son, and to keep it up. Dollish. Dollish. Stay losing. But I want to talk about how they thought they could, Neville said, I guess they thought they didn't just see anyone who's particularly powerful. So even if Death Eaters are telling him, bruh, you ain't nobody to us. Like, you ain't got no strength. You can just send, we can just, we can send you, you can take care of old ladies. You're good for old ladies and animals and nothing better, nothing bigger. Right. So he's not even in the ranks of death. There's respected like that. And so him to getting got, got by all these times, it's like, come on. Like you just show that you don't have any defense. You're not good at defense at all. What game I are mean, you playing? He would be, he would be crappy on the rugby football in the field. He can't run defense for nobody. I just, Amani says, I'm gonna let y'all finish, but Dolish is the worst or of all time. I just need y'all to know that the chat has wilded out with the portraits. Um, Maggie I says that this is... Why is name Helen? Is that Helen Mirren? Who is that? No, it's not. I don't know who that as is. As it gets along by them, I guess it's actually the actress who played her, I guess. Wow. I don't even know. But, um, so Maggie says this is why the parents should have made a habit of speaking up before this. Now they're deep into totalitarianism. And Bianca says Augusta Gangsta Grand Longbottom with um, a, uh, a guy, I guess it's the actress who played her. She, she photoshopped her on Black Widow and yes, it says Augusta keep that thing on her. Mm-hmm. And then Latte said Grandma Longbottom when the Death Eaters came through, they didn't know that what they were getting into. She ain't the one, not my gran. And she's got a picture of a gran with two handguns. I don't know what that is from, but that is. I don't either. I'm. It's just, whew, the chat is wild. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, but we all know that Augusta ain't going for nobody. <laughs> right. But I also do, I love the like, well-rounded full circle-ness of it. So when we, <clears throat> when we finally find out who's, who Neville's parents are, Augusta is not, she's still very tough on Neville. Um, and she mm-hmm. still doesn't think that he's like living up to their potential or to like, to what they've done. Um, and she's very proud of her mm-hmm. son and, and daughter-in-law. Um, but I think it was I think it, the sweetest part to me is I don't know how she got a letter right? to him after she had to go on a run and she knew he was on a run but however she had that letter to him he's been carrying it on him because he's tapped his breast pocket so he's been keeping it on him it's like the first time she's probably ever praised him in the same light as his parents and he's just keeping it on him to like that's my granny right there you've been hanging out with Connie too much <laughs> We did just come from a whole weekend together recently. Yeah, so I know. It shows. Yeah. It's showing. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think that that's like, yeah, it, it's just very sweet. It's also, you know, he doesn't need to, I mean, McGonagall tells him this, like he doesn't need to be on the run to prove himself. Like he's already proven himself. But it it is great to have that like, firm knowledge that his grand is proud of her uh, proud mm-hmm. of him um it's just like it adds it a little bit more to it 
Um, oh, that's, yeah, it's the grandma from Don't Be a Menace. Um, sorry, I just, I don't think I've seen it. I don't think I've seen that movie in so, I know that I've seen I it. Just saw it. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I just know a lot of, I just know about it through osmosis. I don't know. Yeah, so Dollish is the worst. Um, and he's still, like, Augusta, we don't know how long. It, it, it hasn't been that long. Um, but Augusta put him in the, in St. Mungo's. Like, out of commission. She ain't playing. Come at her. You coming at her because her grandbaby said next to the no? That's to them be slipping. It's she he and McGonagall and Pompey be having them teas and they be serving tea to each other like, hey girl, when what's the last time you upped your defense spell on this? Let's did you see the latest Witches in Combat magazine? Let's just talk about this. Like they they don't play. They're ready. They stay They're ready. Constant vigilance. Keep that thing on them. Also, I'm wondering too if this is just like the last straw because Dollish then got got by McGonagall, then got got by Hagrid. Like by the time he got to Augusta, he, like he's in he, Mungo's. But also, right? I'm like Augusta, Augusta. I feel like Augusta had like pent up aggression because she landed somebody in St. Mungo's. Like I don't even know if McGonagall got him in St. Mungo's, but Augusta did. You know, I'm thinking it's cumulative too. Like it's like um, right. when Dollish dies, they he should donate his brain because he got um, that 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 brain disease from football. Tell the truth, what is that? CD, CPD, mm -hmm. whatever. C he got that bad. Mm -hmm. Yep, he got it. His his brain is jello at this point. So Neville says, CTE. Thank you. Dollish got CTE. Um, yes. Maggie said he only gets defeated by people who are old as hell. But wizarding. like wizards, like they age, but you know what I mean? Like that don't, that just means they, they their minds are sharp and they got all this knowledge. Everybody was scared of like, and he was like the oldest person that anybody knew. Right? Even though they're like, oh yeah, Dumbledore's like the oldest. Right. Come on, everybody's scared of him. There's a reason. Matilda was still a lot of knowledge about how to kill people. Matilda was still like writing books well into, I mean, just. You know. Do we need to talk about Matilda. I just. No, we, I mean, you know, it'll come up eventually. <laughs> um, I'm just saying, though, she was older and was like on the bestsellers list. I just, you know. Yeah. Um, so they get to mm -hmm. um, the end of the passageway. There's another short flight of steps let, and led to a door just like the hidden one behind Ariana's portrait. Neville pushed it open and climbed through. As Harry followed, he heard Neville call out to unseen people. Look who it is, didn't I tell ya? As Harry emerged into the room beyond the passage, there were several screams and yells. Harry, it's Potter, it's Potter. Ron, Hermione! He had a confused impression of colored hangings of lamps and many faces. The next moment, he, Ron, and Hermione were engulfed, hugged, and pounded on the back, their hair ruffled, their hands shaken by what seemed to be more than 20 people. They might have just won a Quidditch final. 
Okay, okay, calm down, Neville said as the crowd backed away. Harry was able to take in their surroundings. Neville is out here leading. He said, enough. Let us have order. Harry takes in the scene. Um, he did not recognize the room at all. It was enormous, looked rather like in it, like the interior of a particularly sumptuous treehouse or perhaps a gigantic ship's cabin. Multicolored hammocks were strung from the ceiling and from a balcony that ran around the dark wood paneled and windowless walls, there were covered in bright tapestry hangings. Harry saw the gold Gryffindor lion emblazoned on scarlet, the black badger of Hufflepuff set against yellow and the bronze eagle of Ravenclaw. The bronze, the bronze eagle of Ravenclaw on blue. The silver and green of Slytherin yes. alone were absolutely. Wait, wait, wait. The bronze, the bronze eagle, eagle of Ravenclaw. Point blank. Period. Bronze eagle. Um. The silver, the silver and green of Slytherins alone were absent. This again is just like they're. All of the Slytherins are not... Okay, Maggie brings up a point here that I want, like, she says, Joe says she doesn't know where the Slytherin hate comes from. It's like, there's not one Slytherin who wasn't with the bullshit. Not one who stood up for, you know, We others. know that Hogwarts BSU, we know that, you know, Blaze is a Slytherin, but he ain't, like, out here over here thinking about some death eating stuff. He ain't up running up with them. But right. I guess Slytherins are, are like they're gonna wash their own backs. So, you know, if I gotta live in the same common air or common dormitory with a group of people who are about all this violence, I'd rather stay here where I know where I'm like I can just, you know, blend in incognito rather than try to search out people who are doing all these dangerous stunts that keep getting in trouble for them. And if you think about it, none of them were in Dumbledore's army, so they wouldn't know about the rumor of requirement being a safe haven. Yeah, I mean, I guess the one thing I could say about that, too, is that if you are Slytherin, you're probably not, you're flying under the radar. Um, the BSU-verse, if you've read any of the Hogwarts BSU, um, think about Blaze, um, especially the one during this year when I guess he like kind of cuts off the rest of the BSU. It's, it is, it does make sense to me that like, they're not going to end up being on the run, even if they don't agree, they're going to just keep their mouth shut. Mm -hmm. Um, Amani said real G's like blaze move in silence, like lasagna. Um, but yeah, I think that like, it does do a disservice that like, not even like a younger Slytherin ends up here i, I you know think because nobody at none of nobody knows in slytherin house about Dumbledore's army being a safe haven and if they did then it might we might see a little something different but nobody really knows only the ones I mean, who were with umbridge says that they're doing fight. sorry go ahead well you know the ones that were on um what was the squad? The prosecutor, whatever squad. I haven't gotten the Inquisitorial there yet. squad. Inquisitorial squad. Um, 
the Slytherins then they knew about the room requirement and how the Dumbledore's army was in it, but they didn't. They were trying to get them out of there, and I don't know if they know how exactly they're currently manifesting it because nobody can get in because Neville has made it. You know, he's figured out the like loopholes to keep anybody who wasn't already part of who he thinks should be in there in there. You know. Yeah, but I think, you know, he also mentioned that they are graffitiing that Dumbledore's army is still recruiting earlier in the year. So, like, people do know about Dumbledore's army. And I'm sure that, like, you know, as Dumbledore once said, like, it's a secret. So, naturally, the whole school knows, like, word travels. They, they're probably more careful about, like, the room of requirement and where people are hiding out. But, like, mm-hmm. the idea that, like, no one is sticking up for... Uh, or no one in Slytherin is get is cr- getting on the bad side of the the teachers there. Just it's it makes sense, but so I feel like that's Slytherin life. Like you're gonna yeah, but I feel like she should have. There should have been a mention of it. You know what I yeah. mean? It just it make it does make sense when you think about like who Slytherins are and what the climate is that mm-hmm. they would just be like they would move in silence. You know they would they would fly under the radar, but mm-hmm. She makes a point that there are no Slytherins here. She makes a point when all the Slytherins leave to go to, um, at the Battle of Hogwarts and none of them stay to fight with Harry. Like, she makes a point to, like, single them out as the bad house, and then she comes up and says, like, I don't understand why everyone gave Slytherin such a bad rap. It's like, read your and books. And then she her awful, bad, awful, awful, terrible, horrible, no good, very bad fanfic. <laughs> that shall not be named to try to make the Slytherin name seem cooler in a very, very unrealistic. I mean, I'm very unlike how, like just how. Yeah. That fanfic in which all all of the heroic Slytherins act like Gryffindors. (laughs) Um, Latte says also the rest of the DA would be hella suspect of any Slytherins at this point in time, because where have they been? But and Amani asked, what if Neville took the room of requirement not to let any Slytherins in? That's what I'm saying. I feel like Neville probably told, you know, I mean, yes, I don't, like, we we get there, because he talks about how he enchanted the room and how he was saying, like, no one who is an agent of the Caros could get in, and I don't know if he said that exact language, or maybe he said no Slytherins, you know, because he just expects them to be the agents of the Caros. We don't know. Yeah. Um, so Latte brings up a headcanon that maybe Slughorn's new Slug Club is for the Slyver- Slytherins who don't agree with the current climate, which could be like yeah, possible. Like that. they have their own, you know, their own support system. I just wish that it would have been on paper. Yeah. You know, like there would have been some mention of Slytherins who don't go along with the company line, you know? Um, yeah, I second. Bianca saying latte write that fanfic because I would love to see hear that perspective of um, the Slytherins during this whole school year and you know right before the final battle how they work this out. Right, latte said eyes. Who you latte? You write that fanfic. You. <laughs> <laughs> um, our inbox is open. We black and nerds at gmail.com for any of y'all who want to, you know, slide through some fanfic for Hogwarts BSU. Um, so, uh, Harry asks where they are. The room of requirement, of course, 
surpassed itself, hasn't it? The carers were chasing me and I knew I just had one chance for a hideout. I managed to get through the door and this is what I found. Well, it wasn't exactly like this when I arrived. It was a load smaller. There was only one hammock and just Gryffindor hangings, but it expanded as more and more of the DA had arrived. And the carols can't get in, asked Harry. No, said Seamus, whom Harry had not recognized until he spoke. Seamus's face was bruised and puffy. It's a proper hideout. As long as one of us stays in here, they can't get at us. The door won't open. It's all down Neville. He really gets this room. Uh, you've got to ask it for exactly what you need. Like, I don't want any Caro supporters to be able to get in, and it'll do it for you. You've just got to make sure you've, you sure you close the loopholes. Neville's the man. I am living. I'm living. This whole chapter, like, they're just words of affirmation flowing freely amongst the Dominoir's army. Like, first, Neville has words of affirmation for Hermione for making the galleons or whatever that are still working and they're able to repurpose them for, he was like, he's like beaming at Hermione because he calls her ingenious. And I'm like, someone finally appreciates Hermione. Mm -hmm. And then here we have, we see Seamus calling him saying, but one that Neville really gets this room. Like Neville is, he really, he's understanding, like he's, he's propping up Neville's like knowledge and he just calls Neville the man. And it's like, look at this. Like they really are like a little family in here. And he knows how to pep up his roommate of so many years, you know? Right. Um, Latte is just writing thick up in this chat. She says, she also likes the idea of the el that the elves are not with this because Dumbledore was the best and they are helping the DA. So they're giving them food, like. No, we gotta keep, we'll, we'll get there. So it's quite straightforward, really, said Neville modestly. I'd been in here about a day and a half getting really hungry and wishing I'd get something to eat. And then that's when the passage to the Hogshead opened up. I went through it and met Aberforth. He's been providing us with food because for some reason, that's the one thing the room really doesn't do. Well, yeah, well, food's one of the five exceptions to Gamp's law of elemental transfiguration, said Ron to general astonishment, because who knew Ron remembered that? <laughs> Well, after uh, Hermione gathered him together. Like five you know? times, you know? But I love that, like, Maggie is the person to go to about Gamp's Law of Elemental Transfiguration. If you ever need to figure that out, Maggie's your girl. Um, Maggie, come school us, please. Especially um, for WikiCon. She's always doing that panel. Um, so we've been hiding you know. out here for nearly two weeks, said Seamus. And it, takes, and it makes more hammocks every time we need them. And even sprouted a good, pretty good bathroom once the girls started turning up. Only girls were like, hey, um, we need to wash ourselves. Gonna need to wash my ass. So <laughs> the boys have been in there funking and up. Not gonna want to pee in a bottle. But they were. I mean, listen, so as we knew, as, as we knew. As we know, before there was plumbing, was <laughs> it used to just no? I and I, I the, do not. I do not the boys that. were like, "Hey, let's go back to our ancestral." Roots. They didn't even know about that. They don't know about that. What do you mean they don't know about that? Who it's only who it's literally information about the school. Nobody, nobody's passing that down. Literally, Neville's grandma was probably born before plumbing was a thing. 
No, she was not. Let's not do that. <laughs> they old Portia. Plumbing has been around since the Greeks, like the old um, old Greece. Listen, I'm telling you, no, like these two boys generations are just, to a wizard. They are just they don't. They're just like the ones who are on Twitter, not washing their legs, not washing their feet. They think they're not washing their hands. They think it is just okay. They don't think it's. They don't think it's like a responsibility. They're just unwashed and they don't care. You are smelling each other's funk for up to a week. So they said the girl, the, once the girls started turning up, so the girls weren't there originally. Like, it's disgusting. <sighs> no, nearly two weeks. And the so once the girls started turning up and thought they quite like to wash, yes, supply lavender brown. So lavender is, you know, lavender is like, y'all were stinking it up in here. Yeah. Tried it. She walked in there and was like, What? You don't get no bathroom. Lavender Brown took up the mantle. She became the president of Wash, whether it's for actual showers and hygiene. Um, mm-hmm. She did that. Um, so then Harry looks around and notices many familiar faces. There were both Patil twins Terry Boot, Ernie McMillan, Anthony Goldstein, and Michael Corner. You know, that one Jewish student, Anthony Goldstein. Hmm. Um, so, Maggie also talks about um, how like the bathroom only shows up when you wish for it. Dumbledore wanted to pee and got a zillion chamber pots, so they could have gotten a bath. They, like, if one boy had thought, I really want a shower, they don't mind being stink masters. Probably tomorrow, Wednesday. Yeah, they, they, not one boy even had a fleeting thought about a shower. Nope. So that's what I'm saying. Never, yikes. I mean, Lavender probably walked into the room, smelled it. Looked around and was like, y'all didn't think to bring in a bathroom. Right. Um, Tiana's I'm mad in her. I'm mad for her. I could feel her energy being he, like. He left. All right, this dog. Um, <laughs> Tiana says that they probably do a spell to disappear their funk and dirt, like scorchify their bodies. They don't smell their dirt. That's what I'm trying to tell you. They don't yeah. smell it. They don't care. They're just living in it. If they wanted to to clean up, they would have wa- asked to clean up. They didn't want right. to. They didn't notice it. It was they're just <laughs> disgusting. Yep. Amani no said, deodorant. Like you know, they didn't bring no toiletries in there. They're just stinky. <laughs> it's just so bad. I just not not brushing their teeth. For two weeks. Mm. Amani says he's surprised the Carols didn't find them from the smell, which, like, yeah, because two weeks. Um, Maggie said they probably wish for Febreze immediately, but not a bathroom. Because that's how boys think. They're like, oh, oh ooh, let's put some trees up around here. Mm mm. Oh my God. Imagine Lavender coming in and just seeing a room riddled with those goddamn pine trees. Mm-hmm. And was like, can we get a bathroom? Maybe? You know, they don't have no lotion. You know, they ain't got nothing. They're just sitting up in there, just dry this, skins. 
and just dirty. Uh, dirty, dry skin flakes all over the place. They don't mention nothing about having no dresser drawers or change of clothes. Like, I just... Moving on before <laughs> I puke. Um, tell us what you've been up to, though, said Ernie. There have been so many rumors. We've been trying to keep up with you on Potter Watch. You didn't break into Gringotts. They did, said Neville. And the dragon's true, too. There was a smattering of applause and a few whoops. Ron took a bow. Ron. You left them, Ron. You left them at a point in a freaking journey. But you're ready to take this bow. I mean, it's not even that. It's just like, I boy. how I feel. Boy, it's, it's not about you. It's not about recognition. Y'all trying to get these horcruxes. Like... It's that, is, it's I, that swaggy P gif where he starts celebrating the three and it doesn't go in. Like, you know what I mean? I see you there, but I'm also like, Ron is acting like he's been there the whole time. Ron ain't been with him the whole time. Ron was ready. He was not on this journey. He did not see it through to the whole through the whole way. No, he did not. He just popped back in here because I'm not even going to talk about it, you know? <laughs> Maggie Ron, said Ron taking credit for the breaker of chains. <laughs> he did not come up with freeing the dragon to escape like really they didn't they could have broken into Gringotts without Harry which is what Dumbledore or Delia says um Delia said could have been done without Harry too though to be honest um he but he at least got a book series named after him um, I mean Harry knew what he knew what he was looking for you know yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, think he, yeah, I don't think he described it that far to them. I think he just he was like he was hoping he would see something, and he figured it out when when they were in there, you know. Right. Uh-huh. Um, Latte asks, "Why can't he just be humble? Come on, Ron, haven't you learned anything? This is why Hermione is done with you. This is why Hermione is quiet because she's in the room of requirement looking for Dean. But we're, I, we're maybe he here. Maybe gonna, he heard. We gonna get there. We gonna get there. Uh, what were you after? Before any of them could par- parry the question with one of their own, Harry felt a terrible scorching pain in the lightning star as he turned his back hastily on the curious and delighted faces. The room of requirement vanished. He was standing inside a a ruined stone shack, and the rotting floorboards were ripped apart at his feet. A disinterred gold box lay open and empty beside the hole, and Voldemort's scream of fury vibrated inside his head. With an enormous effort, he pulled out of Voldemort's mind, back to where he stood, swaying in the room of requirement, sweat pouring from his face, and Ron holding him up. Are you all right, Harry? Want to sit down? I expect you're tired, aren't No. Harry said he looked at Ron and Hermione, trying to tell them without words that Voldemort had just discovered the loss of one of the other horcruxes. Time was running out fast. If Voldemort chose to visit Hogwarts next, they would miss their chance. We need to get going, he said, and their expressions told him that they understood. What are we going to do then, Harry? What's the plan? Plan, repeated Harry, which is what this whole series could be titled. Plan? Question mark? I feel like Seamus, I'm like, Seamus, you ain't seen Harry struggling to do his homework in the late middle of the night because he didn't plan to take care of his homework. Like, obviously you were like on some... Do you know your roommate? Do you not know this man that you've gone to school with every single year and slept in the same dormitory with? You don't know? You don't know your roommate? Okay. Right. Plan. Plan. Indeed. Wow. 
Don't know him. Never met him. Don't know. Um, well, there's something we, Ron, Hermione, and I need to do, and then we'll get out of here. What do you mean, get out of here? Uh, Neville asked. We haven't come back to stay. There's something important we need to do. What is it? Can't tell you. There's a ripple of muttering at this, and Neville's brows contracted. Why can't you tell us? It's something to do with fighting you-know-who, right? Well, yeah, then we'll help you. Point blank, period. You fighting, we fighting. We're all in this together. That's the only line of that song I know, but it fits. Um, you don't understand. We can't tell you. We've got to do this alone. Why, asked Neville. Because Dumbledore left the three of us a job, and we weren't supposed to tell. I mean, he wanted us to do it, just the three of us. We're his army, said Neville. Dumbledore's army. We were all in it together. We've been keeping it going while you three have been off on your own. It hasn't exactly been a picnic, mate. I never said it had, but I don't see why you can't trust us. Everyone in this room's been fighting, and they've been driven in here because the Carols were hunting them down. Everyone in here has proven they're loyal to Dumbledore. Loyal to you. Neville. Realist words have been spoke in this chapter. Names from realer words. Right? And then they all stood up and did the Mockingjay salute. <laughs> like, whew, I'm ready to follow Neville. <clears throat> um... Look, Harry said, but without knowing what he was going to say, it didn't matter. The tone door opened. We got your message, Neville. Hello, you three. I thought you must be here. It was Luna and Dean. Her man's. The man's. Shade gave a great roar of delight and ran to hug his best friend. And Hermione is like, I'm going to let you have a moment, but get off my man's. But also, she probably is like, you know, the last. Um, Seamus knew about Dean probably what he heard on Potter Watch and that was not necessarily good news maybe there's an update after Dean was free but we don't know that yep um, Luna Harry said distractedly what are you doing here how did you I sent for her said Neville holding up the fake galleon I promised her and Jenny that if you turned up I'd let them know we all thought that if you came back it would mean revolution that we were going to overthrow Snape and the Caras of course, that's what it means, brightly. Uh, Luna said brightly, isn't it, Harry? We're going to fight them out of Hogwarts. Do Luna you want a revolution? Whoop, whoop, said, do you want a revolution? Just, her, Luna is the realist. She is. I just, I just, also, Luna and Dean been hanging out this whole time, and that makes me happy, and I want someone to write that fanfic. I just, what has that been like in the time between escaping the Malfoys and coming to Hogwarts? They've just been kicking it, drawing together because they're both artists. They just like, so, they're so cute. Friends, friends. Sorry. Listen, said Harry with a rising sense of panic. I'm sorry, but that's not what we came back for. There's something we've got to do. And then, then let us help, said Neville angrily. We want to be a part of it. There was another noise behind them. Harry turned. His heart seemed to fail. Jenny was now climbing through the hole in the wall, closely followed by Fred, George, and Lee Jordan. Jenny gave Harry a radiant smile. He had forgotten or had never fully appreciated. 
how beautiful she was, but oh. he had never been less pleased to see her. That's my that's my honey voice. It's the best I can do. It's got I, don't know, I don't know if you want to try it. Oh, you want me? Okay. You want to try any voice? His heart seemed to fail. Jenny was now climbing through the hole in the wall. Jenny gave Harry a radiant smile. He had forgotten or never fully appreciated how beautiful she was. Uh, uh, mm. Dahlia said how beautiful and then put the porridge emoji. Also, Dahlia caught them partridge earlier today and I almost died. Literally almost ended. Um, Tayana says, y'all never know how deep that three-week relationship was. Um, Maggie says that, that Harry is worth rude. A, worth a marriage. I just... Yeah, rude and unromantic. Listen, I still maintain Jenny got that good good. He... I... I... Jenny got that good good. I... 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 I put it down to J.K. Rowling is not has no imagination whatsoever when it comes to romance. True, but still. Um, Abforth getting a bit annoyed said Fred. He wants a kip, and his bars turn into a railway station. Harry's mouth fell open. That made me laugh because I'm like, can you imagine Abforth? His his pub has never probably been this busy ever in his whole life. So he's probably used to just napping all day, just chilling out. And now he's like, I can't even take my my six o'clock nap because y'all just gonna keep mm. right. He's like, I want my nightcap. I should be drinking at this time, you know. Nobody be in here at this like, time of night. Like my my establishment is not that popping. Like what right. is this? He's like, I should be three drinks in. Um. So. Uh. Harry's mouth fell open right behind Lee Jordan came Harry's old girlfriend, Cho Chang. She smiled at him. I got the message, she said, holding her own thick galleon, and she walked over to sit beside Michael Corner. And I so know Jenny the- caught Harry with his mouth hanging open, looking at Cho and felt away. Oop. Jenny is not worried. She says, I got no, that No, she good did. Good. We see that. Harry well. is sprung. No, no, she worried. Because she, she saw she that. Worried. She, she worried. She saw Harry go. And she knows she porridge. She knows she, porridge. She knows she's she pumpkin spice porridge. You know. Pumpkin spice, though. Oh, man. Um, so what's the plan, Harry, said George. There isn't one, said Harry. Just going to make it up as we go along, are we? My favorite kind, said Fred. You've got to stop this, Harry told Neville. What did you call them all back for? This is insane. We're fighting, aren't we, said Dean, taking out his fake galleon. The message said Harry was back and we were going to fight. I'll have to get a wand, though. Dean rolled through like straight up. He said, listen, I'm black. I just had a bad thought. I'll square up. What do I want to know? Wait, what? No. Tell tell no, don't tell me. Tell me. Does he get Fred's one? Oh, look at you. Look at you, look at you, look at you. Whew. Moving on. <laughs> I mean, ideally, the room of requirement would help him get a wand, but I feel like does he just get Fred's wands? 
you need to stop hanging out with Connie because this is Scotchman's fault. Um, it's it's like it like the feels just like infect you like a virus. You got the const you got the Constanza affluenza the the con the confluenza. She has concred currently, so. <laughs> well, you got confluenza. Um, Ron turned suddenly to Harry. Why can't they help? What? They can help. He dropped his voice and said so that none of them could hear between Hermione. We don't know where, where it is. We've got to find it fast. We don't have to tell them it's a horcrux. Harry looked from Ron to Hermione. He murmured, I think Ron's right. We don't even know what we're looking for. We need them. You don't have to do everything alone, Harry. That is central theme to this book. You don't have to do everything alone, Harry. And you all was well. Alone. Oh shit. I am here with you. Portia. Portia. Do you not know the words? <laughs> Girl, you were you went so high and then just dropped so like just I just forgot them in the moment. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. So I just let it go. Woo! Portia, my heart. <laughs> you can't. You are not alone. I am here with you. Though we're far apart, you're always in my heart. Got you. I just, I just lost the first Though you're hand. far away, I am Fine. here to stay. I know that part. I, there's... <laughs> it's Michael. <laughs> you gotta... We'll see until that was... Bed that was I just I lost the the next words and it threw me all the way off and I'm just like Ooh. I get it I get you it's just it was just it's just a lapse oh it's Michael <laughs> don't kill me I'm not I appreciated it I appreciated that it came to you it was in your heart though you're far apart so you and the words were far apart. It was always in your heart. Stay. Now they're here to stay. Because you you refreshed my, my memory. Thank you. Yes. It's okay. <laughs> I'm just laughing at the chat being like, yo, girl, get it together. <laughs> I'm just like, you're, I'm just happy at this moment that Bionic's not here too. <laughs> Because the two people you don't want to do that around. <laughs> Me and my cousin. It's all right. It's okay. Okay. We're moving on. It was in her heart, guys. It was in her heart. Um, Harry thought fast. His scar was still prickling. His head threatening to split again. Dumbledore had warned him against telling anyone but Ron and Hermione about the horcruxes. Secrets and lies. That's how he grew up. And Albus, he was a natural. Was he turning into Dumbledore, keeping his secrets clutched to his chest, afraid to trust? But Dumbledore had trusted Snape, and where had that led? To murder at the top of the highest tower. All right, he said finally to the other two. Dumbledore well, trusted Snape, and I end up in a, in a murder at the highest tower, and yet, who do they name his child after later on in this, this same, same book? I don't know, because I don't recognize that part. Hmm. Fake news. Hmm. Al says, 
Alfev. Um, it's just really the worst name. Albus Severus. Like, like it's just like. Why not Rubius Even Albus? Albus Rubius. Or Remus or John. Albus John Potter. Or, or Alfred or Dean. And I don't. James Sirius. Why not change, take Dobby's name and change you it around? Maybe a Bobby. Two of the three Marauders there. And then you go straight for like Death Eater. I just. No, no, no. Not you didn't. What is? What about Hedwig? You know why not Hermes or you know what I mean? You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Oh, Maggie said Remus McGee Potter, right? What is the male version of Minerva? Minerva. <laughs> you know what? It doesn't even matter, right? Just Minerva. Minerva. Who gives a who gives Maybe a Minerva, right? Albus Severus. It's just, and it's ugly. It's ugly. It's, it's disgusting. And P Pumpkin Spice wasn't like, yo, you ain't calling my baby that? She was like, Pumpkin yeah, okay, Spice cool. Was just happy to be here. She was somewhere for once that was not eating porridge. Isn't it Lily Luna, their daughter? Yep. Albus Neville. Neville Albus. That's what I said, Dean. Or even Fred. Rubius, right? That the chat is in here saying, "Listen, um, there's no Ruby or Rubius. Like Hagrid didn't do anything for him. Latte said she preferred she preferred Grop to Severus. <laughs> Del Delia said Hagrid carried his dead body. He loved him. And Tiana says, "Well, he was one of the bravest men he's ever met." It's basically him, call, him naming Albus Albus Severus. It's like naming Albus Severus um, Albus Nagini or Albus, <laughs> Albus, Albus Marvolo. It's the same effing thing. Woo! Ugh. Tiana also says that Albus Severus sounds like Parseltongue, which it does. Neville John Potter. That is a name. There you go. Neville John Potter. I think when I hear ne if I hear Bill and John together, I don't know why I'm thinking like Lil John. Like you call him Lil, <laughs> <laughs> Lil John Potter, Neville John Potter. Um, oh man, Delia is benched. She said could have named him Colin Albus. Gave Colin a second chance at childhood or something, and I just we didn't need it. Didn't didn't both of the Crevy brothers die? So you could have named him Colin. Mm -hmm. Colin, Dennis, Dennis Colin. All y'all, all y'all gotta sit. Moving on before there's any more benchings that need to happen. Um, there's something we need to find, Harry said. Something, something that'll help us overthrow you know who. It's here at Hogwarts, but we don't know where. It might've belonged to Ravenclaw. Has anyone heard of an object like that? Has anyone ever come across something with her eagle on it, for instance? Eagle! Eagle. He looked hopefully toward the little group of Ravenclaws to Padma, to Michael, Terry, and Cho. Padma, the Ravenclaw, with an eagle. 
Um, but it was Luna who answered, perched on the arm of Jenny's chair. Well, there's her lost diadem. I told you about it, remember, Harry? The lost diadem of Ravenclaw? Daddy's trying to duplicate it. Yeah, but it, the lost diadem, said Michael Corner, rolling his eyes, is lost, Luna. That's the point. When was it lost? Centuries ago, they say, said Cho. Professor Flitwick says the diadem vanished with Ravenclaw herself. People have looked, but nobody's ever found any trace of it, have they? Sorry, but what is a diadem? Asked Ron. Thank which, you. Okay. So on point. It's kind of a crown. Ravenclaw's was supposed to have magical properties, enhance the wisdom of the wearer. Yes, Daddy's Raxpert siphons, but Luna cut across Luna. And none of you have ever seen anything that looks like it. They all shook their heads again. Harry looked at Ron and Hermione, and his own disappointment was mirrored back at him. An object that had been lost this long and apparently without trace did not seem like a good candidate for the horcrux hidden in the castle. Before he could formulate a new question, however, Cho spoke again. If you'd like to see what the diadem's supposed to look like, I could take you up to our common room and show you, Harry. Ravenclaw's wearing it in her statue. I can take you to our common room, Harry. Mm-hmm. And that's why Jenny gets upset. She was upset with Harry's mouth staying open whenever he saw Cho. And then she got second upset again when Cho was like, I can take you up to our, our common room. Don't I can do it. it. We can go up there together alone. Right? Mm -hmm. um, Harry's dress scorched again for a moment. The room of requirement swam before him. He saw instead the dark earth soaring beneath him and felt the great felt the great snake wrapped around his shoulders. Voldemort was flying again, rather to the underground lake or here to the castle. He did not know. Either way, there was hardly any time left. He's on the move, he said quietly to Ron and Hermione. He glanced at Cho and then looked back at them. Listen, I know it's not much of a lead. I'm going to go look at the statue and at least find out what the diadem looks like. Wait for me here and keep you know, and keep, you know, the other one safe. Um, Cho got to her feet, but Ginny said rather fiercely, no, Luna will take Harry. Won't you, Luna? Mm-hmm. Girl, this is like, okay, this is one thing, like, that I think I've mentioned before that I do like about the Hunger Games is that Countess is like, ain't nobody got time. Yep. Pumpkin spice. Ain't nobody got time for your jealousy. Why are you, I mean, I know why you're here, but also why are you here? But also, like, he is trying to fight Dumbledore, or Voldemort. How is he worried about, how, first of all, Cho has already graduated. There is no room for her to go to within Ravenclaw Tower to be alone with Harry. Like, even if that was what she had in mind, it just could not happen feasibly in this current time period, generally. Secondly, there's a war going on. They have to sneak around this effing castle. Right? Ain't nobody got no time. There's no time. Devin, I can take you to my common room. Harry is a line. Uh, Delia says that chose the better match. Don't at her, but you can't at Delia. Delia. Look, look, cool. Ravenclaw. They said Harry got tall. Um, everybody is than Jenny. Um, as they says that they're both Harry and Cho are both too reactionary and don't know how to communicate. <clears throat> um. Delia said these Weasleys are making everything about them. Now ain't the time. And uh, Maggie says, Jenny, the Caros are coming. Like, 
right? Like Seamus is over here with his face busted. Neville is over here with the, their face busted. Do you think that Harry is really like, well, you know what? Bow chicka wow wow. Like, no. Like, not even. And, and you know, Fred and George are not one to let a good bow chicka wow wow moment go by. And they didn't even say anything. <laughs> but you over here with right? your mind. Nobody's thinking about that. Said he is on the move. He is Tomothy. Tomothy is coming. Luna says, oh, yes, I'd like to. And Cho sat down again looking disappointed. So maybe Cho was thinking it, but Harry wasn't. And also, I like, like isn't there that, like, trusting? I think she was just, I like, think thinking, Cho just like, wants to have be a, she... a moment alone to talk to Harry and fill him out. Part of it. Yeah. But also, like, she probably was like, maybe, if, if anything, she probably just wants to fill him out, like, is he still into me a little bit? Like maybe if there's an after this, we can like work through whatever the issue was. Like I don't think she's thinking about doing anything in the moment. She's just trying to get an understanding of like where his head is at. I don't even think that. I think she just wants to feel helpful and useful. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I think that's mostly <laughs> it, but I think that if they're going to have a private moment to talk about them, she probably would just see where he's, th- what he's thinking about. Like it has, he moved on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dahlia says, but let's just say that Ch- Harry and Cho were about to go have a moment. That means he don't want you. Don't do that, girl. Let the man go. If you trust him and y'all really about that life, there should be no issue. And then she yeah. also adds, see more on this at Leaky. See more on this at Leaky on her panel about femininity in Harry Potter. Leaky Dallas. Um, um, Bianca says that um, Harry needs all these women to chill. And uh, Latte says, all y'all need to cool your boxes. It's war. No one has time for a snog. Jazz pops in to say it's war, and that's why they want a snog. They don't know who about to end up dead. And we also know that Jenny is only here because of a wartime snog. So maybe that's what she's thinking about. Like, you know, if Molly and Arthur weren't snogging during the first reign of Voldemort, Jenny would not exist. So... And also, Monty was saying that Cho is trying to get her Arya on, and I'm just like, woof. Hmm. You know? Hmm. We know. You know? Was it tonight's the night I'm about to die? I'm not, I'm not dying without, you know, getting it down, right? But she was a prefix, so she could get to that prefix bathroom. She can make it. She can make it happen. She can make it happen. Mm-hmm. Ain't no problem. Ain't no problem. <laughs> Ain't no problem. Like I just want to, I just want to talk, you know. Over here in this in this bathroom. In this bathroom, real quick, real real quick. Um, so Harry asks Neville how they get out, and Neville leads Harry and Luna to a corner where a small cupboard opened onto a steep staircase. It comes out somewhere different every day, so they've never been able to find it. Only trouble is, we never know exactly where we're going to end up when we go out. Be careful, Harry. They're always patrolling the corridors at night. No problem. See you in a bit. He and Harry hurried up the staircase, which was a, which was long, lit by torches, and turned corners in unexpected places. At last, they reached what appeared to be a solid wall. Get under here, Luna. Um, Harry told Luna, pulling out the invisibility cloak and throwing it over both of them. He gave the wall a little push. It melted away at his touch, and they slipped outside. Harry glanced back and saw that it had resealed itself once again. They were standing in a dark corridor. Harry pulled Luna back into the shadows, fumbled in the pouch around his neck and took out the Marauder's map. Holding it close to his nose, he searched and located his and Luna's dots at last. 
We're up on the fifth floor, he whispered, watching Filch moving away from them. Come on this way. They crept off. Harry had prowled the castle at night many times before, but never had his heart hammered this fast. Never had so much depended on his safe passage through the place. Though through squares of moonlight upon the floor, past suits of armor whose helmets creaked at the sound of the soft footsteps around corners beyond which who knew what lurked. Harry and Luna walked, checking the Marauder's map whenever light permitted, twice pausing to allow a ghost to pass without drawing attention to themselves. He expected to encounter any obstacle at any moment. His worst fear was Peeves, and he strained his ears at every step to hear the first telltale signs of the poltergeist's approach. Peeves is like, he's always been able to blow up the spot whenever Harry's in his invisibility cloak and roaming around the school. So Harry's fear of Peeves makes so much sense in this moment. Maggie! Did you finally see the Maggie drawing? I finally saw it. It's the middle of the in the middle of the exchange. They had a Boldy vision. Boldy's on the move, and Maggie. Oh, and oh, Nagini. Nagini <laughs> literally has a bag over her head. She's she's in her protective bubble now. She's bubble wrapped, Nagini. Bubble wrapped, Nagini. Flying with Voldemort. <laughs> Oh wow! Amani said, "How many looks does it take to to the center of Nagini?" And I'm just now Nagini is Lil Kim. How many takes does it take to get to the little little? Oh, ow! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Um, Deb says she loves that she's flying like Ka from the Jungle Book, like. She's got her nighttime. Um, Maggie said she took a page from Sir Hiss, so she got on her nighttime bonnet. Oh, to keep the curls right. Oh. <laughs> Hilarious. Okay. Harry and Luna climb and um, climb up this uh, spiral staircase. Luna reaches out a pale hand, which looks eerie floating in the midair, unconnected to an armor body. She knocked once, and in the silence, it sounded to Harry like a cannon blast. At once, the beak of an eagle, an eagle. Bronze eagle. A bronze eagle. Um, but instead of a bird's call, a soft musical voice said, which came first, the phoenix or the flame? Hmm, what do you think, Harry? Said Luna, looking thoughtful. What? Isn't there just a password? Oh, no, hmm. you've got to answer a question. What if you got it wrong? You have to wait till someone gets it for someone who gets it right. That way you learn, you see? Yeah, trouble is we can't really afford to wait for anyone else, Luna. No, I see what you mean, said Luna seriously. Well, then, I think the answer is that a circle has no beginning. Well reasoned, said the voice, and the door swung open. I love it. It's so great. I love it. The only I problem I have <laughs> with this is that there should be a bathroom right next to Ravenclaw's um, door. Like, tower, the common room, because, like, I'm not answering no riddles right if I have to pee. <laughs> it's just... I mean, I guess if you're a Ravenclaw, then you know you need to go use the restroom before you head up to the common room, because that's going to be a problem. I mean, I guess. You have like, to go on the, on the first floor. But I have many a times been lost in a book, and you, all of a sudden... Know. 
You gotta know. You gotta know. You if you live in Ravenclaw Tower, you gotta know mm, that bladder. Gotta can't be chasing it. Gotta right. take care of that before you get there. Because if it's a particularly hard day, mm. but I love how closely it's like the Sphinx and the maze, where like you only get one chance. You only got one shot. Yeah, but I also yeah. like that it's not. Um, like at least from Luna's perspective, there's no shame in getting it wrong. Um, she's like, if you get it wrong, you just wait for someone who gets it right, and then you learn. Like, yeah. boom. But so I, I also like the idea of people like congregating together to figure out the riddle. Like, you know, yeah. like I don't know, I don't know. I was, and you see how like Luna was already in the mindset of being like, "What do you think, Harry?" Like, like I feel like they probably often are, in, they end up in front of the door talking to each other about how to answer the riddle. And it's really fun ways to bring together a community of probably a lot of introverts where they're just like, I don't know, I'm going to go sit in my corner and read my book real quick. And instead of letting them just like do that all the time, they just get in the door easily and just go off into their own little worlds. It's like, we have to be community even to get into the door. Right. And it also shows that like learning is a team sport. <laughs> like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like you learn better um, when you work together there's just a lot of like really great things about the riddle instead of the password. It also like, it doesn't, you, you're not relying solely on memory or, you know, like chant. Although again, I'm just like, if I have to go to the bathroom, I'm not getting that. Um, you like, I don't want to debate this guys. Y'all figure out the answers. So I just got to the like, store. Go. Also, I like that it's, um, Right. I like that it's logical, but you also have to be creative. Like, a circle has no beginning is... But she probably also could have um, said... She could, probably could have said whatever she wanted to say. She didn't have to say a circle has no beginning. She could have been straightforward in her answer. Right. If she would have said a phoenix and had a well-reasoned reason for it, mm -hmm. I'm sure, like, there are, like, a lot of different answers, mm -hmm. I think, yeah. to that question. Or that I think it's well-reasoned, right? Like, it's not like yeah. the door is, like, correct. It's like, well reasons like that's a that's a valid way to look at this exercise cool right um i also like I, a lot of um like online ravenclaw things it's a math question and i like that it's a logic like riddle and not just math mm -hmm. because it like showcases a different sort of thinking, thinking. Yeah. yeah but also you if you were like mathematically inclined you could probably use math to also solve it so like i don't know i really like that yeah i mean and there's even like a whole math as my favorite part of like i was in advanced geometry at some point in my life i think like ninth grade and my favorite part of the whole class because i i do not do well with space and spatial reasoning i'm just really bad at it but we had a whole unit on like um probability and like po like positing things. And I was just, I was churning out theorems all the time. Like give me a good way to like work through a thought process and call it math. And I'm like, okay, but that unit didn't last for very long. But you know, it's part of mathematical thought as well. Like to just sit there and like pause through like possible theorems and how probability works is that's a whole that's math even if it seems like it's like 
theory or like just reasoning and thinking. It's actually math. Girl, I don't know. I hated geometry. I stopped learning math when all of a sudden there were letters. Where do letters come from? Um, Algebra. <laughs> Uh, geometry itself, like I don't do well, like shapes and stuff. I was like, ooh, ooh, ha, ha. Uh, parameters, ooh, diameter, ugh. like I got it after a while, but for a while I just hated it. But that one unit was my safe haven. Like I, I came away with like all the high grades on that. Everything else, I was like, I never in my life been so puzzled by what you're putting in front of me. Yeah, I. I don't know, something in my brain broke with math early on and I just, I went through the rest of my math education in fear. <laughs> so yeah, I think um, Latte adds, there's no right or wrong. It's the value of the intellect one uses to come to a conclusion. Your wit is not measured in pure statistics, but in the weight of the thing. And she loves that. I, and I think that's right too. It's like, there are, are a new, there are, in infinite possibilities of how you can answer that. And it's not to say that like, there aren't some questions that are right and wrong, right? Cause Luna does say like, if you get it wrong, you just have to wait for someone who does know the answer. Um, but that, but that there are a lot of different ways of looking at it. And the, so that for Luna, um, a circle has no beginning is how she sees that. Um, Maggie says that there's a Tumblr pro saying that a muggle born science kid would answer their fire bird ever did and like that's not wrong right so um so yeah there's just like a lot of different ways the deserted um the deserted ravenclaw common room was a wide circular room airier than any harry any harry had ever seen in hogwarts graceful arched windows punctuated the walls which were hung with blue and bronze silks by day, the Ravenclaws would have a spectacular view of their surrounding mountains. The ceiling was domed and painted with stars, which were echoed in the midnight blue carpet. There were tables and chairs and bookcases, and in niche opposite in the door stood a tall statue of white marble. That description yeah, think, of Ravenclaw like, Tower is so great. It's my fave. Yeah. Um, Amani puts in a picture of the common room and like, and that was my screensaver on my computer for a long time. Yeah, I love, I love it too. And it always just to me seemed like a very serene and calming place. Mm -hmm. And like, for me at least, um, I don't know if you guys know this, but I really love libraries. Like being surrounded by like books and like certain like, there are certain just like rooms and things that just seem like, you're just open to learn and and explore creatively and like the the this like the common room just seems like a place in which you could like fully relax but also fully immerse yourself in learning um and and it's beautiful and serene and i yeah I i'm a that huge I'm, fan i'm um i just like the way that i feel about ravenclaw tower i'm like I just couldn't imagine being anywhere else in Hogwarts. Like, I don't know other room, to, like, common room description fits. And um, I wonder if the Gryffindors and Hufflepuffs and Slytherins feel the same about their respective common rooms. Right. If so, how did J.K. Rowling do that so well? Like, if she herself doesn't identify necessarily 
as this. This is in her dream space, but she was able to put together all of our dream spaces, regardless of which dream space would fit her. Like, I just really right. Well, I don't know. I would like to hear about Slytherins if they think that that room, the common room, I don't, do we get a Hufflepuff? Do we get the Hufflepuff common room at all? We know it's next to the kitchens, but. I think that, um, I think the Pottermore may have described the Hufflepuff. Yeah, Pottermore, I think, does, but. <clears throat> um, I don't know if, like, how the Slytherins feel about their room. I do, I will say, like, I almost lived in a dungeon apartment, like an underground apartment, um, because I do, and my room now has, like, no windows, and it's like a cave. I really like that kind of dark, darkness for, like, sleeping and stuff. I think, like, that has its place. Yeah, I do. I do think that that has its place, but I, re I feel like she describes the Slytherin common room as like cold and you know sharp lines and like sparse and empty. And so I don't know. Some people that might seem like a dream space, but again, she does the most work to make Slytherin seem very uninviting. Um, yeah, but I, I, you know, I. I always enjoyed the description of the Gryffindor common room. It seems very homey, you know, fires lit and comfy chairs. So I feel like everyone, I don't know. I feel like everyone would read the common rooms and think like, oh, that's a comfortable room. But then mm -hmm. like their common room, because also by this point we have such like a love for our houses, you know, it just is like, yes, like, Perfect. No, I literally, whenever this room is described, I mean, I I thought I had an inkling that I was a Ravenclaw. I hadn't taken the test whenever I got to the seventh book. I don't, you know, I don't think I just like didn't trust any of the books, the tests that were online at the time. So I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't ever quiz myself. Um, but when I saw this room description, I was like, this is so me. I'm a Ravenclaw. Like it was just like, it just like all came together. Like I just love that. I was like, it all like I'm like I feel like the riddle, riddle to get it, the way to get in the room it makes more sense to me. The like space itself is like the best. I, if I could put a room together, like that's the description I would do. Um, so I'm just like, oh my gosh, like it's all coming together. Like I think I'm. I thought been thinking I've been a Ravenclaw, and then it's like solidified. Like yes, you are a Ravenclaw. Reading the description of that room, just and like how to get into the tower itself, and how mm -hmm. how you show that you belong. You know, like how it is suited for you because of how your personality, how you would best want to interact with your space. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no argument for me. I, I, <laughs> I do think yeah. that like the Ravenclaw, the description of Ravenclaw common room is like <clears throat> heaven. So, you know, no argument there. Um, so Harry recognized Garena Ravenclaw from the bust he had seen at Luna's house. The statue stood beside a door that led, he guessed, to dormitories above. I also kind of really love the idea of the tower and like and like going up those staircases and being able to sleep with the stars type of I don't know. Yeah. Celestial. Yeah. <laughs> And also, like, I mean, I went through my whole, I was, I always like princesses, but in the way that like Princess Diana is a princess, like a princess with like, like an ambassador of sorts or whatever. Yeah. Um, and like a stateliness. And I feel mm -hmm. like that's like, like princess and a tower always 
evoked that image for me. And like Raven Clouds in a Tower, that also invokes the same kind of image for me, like regal. Yeah. Lache says the Ravenclaw common room feels like home, feels like a deep breath after a long day. Yep. Yeah. Um, so he strode right up to the marble woman and she seemed to look back at him with a quizzical half smile on her face. Beautiful yet slightly intimidating. A delicate looking circlet had been reproduced in marble on top of her head. It was not, un it was not unlike the tiara floor had worn at her wedding. There were tiny words etched into it. Harry stepped out from under the cloak and climbed up onto Ravenclaw's plinth to read them. Wit beyond measure is man's greatest treasure. Which makes you pretty skit, witless, said a cackling voice. Harry rolled around, flipped off the plinch, and landed on the floor. The sloping, shouldering, shouldered figure of Electro Caro was standing before him. And even as Harry raised his wand, she pressed a stubby forefinger to the skull of her snake brand of to the skull and snake branded on her forearm. Ooh. And they got got. But I also want to say I love that she used British sl um, slang here that like pretty skint. I had no idea. I just kind of took the, can the context clues when I first read it, but I've now since seen skint mm -hmm. in numerous other things. And I'm like, okay. Like it literally means, you know, like broke, like. Yeah. And I'm like, so wit beyond measure is man's greatest treasure, which makes you pretty skint witless. And I'm like, you British people. Yeah, putting in these words and not changing <laughs> Americans who don't know no all the slang. Right, I I love it though. Um, yeah. it, it's a, another one of those like, oh, we're in, we're in Britain. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that is the lost item. Who's your MVP? I'm gonna MVP Neville. Mm-hmm. But also, I want an MVP, Aberforth. Okay. Why? He kept feeding them. And he's having his, he's kind of like Floor in a way, where these people keep come tripping through his space, his private space, all through the night. Because this strong-headed boy done decided that he's going to start his little revolution tonight. And it's going to have to come through his pub. And I'm just like, you know. He's been feeding Neville and all the Dumbledore's army this whole time and making sure that they got in and out of his pub without setting off the caterwauling charm and all that kind of stuff this whole time. So I feel like, you know, Aberforth needs, he deserves his due for helping Dumbledore's army get through this hard time. Um, and then Neville for just being a general, you know, leader and all around good guy and always looking out for the team when um, even Harry and the trio are just kind of wrapped up in their own thing. Yeah. I also have to MVP Neville. I mean, he's out here. Um, he, he understands the room of requirement in a way that like not even Harry under like got to know it. Um, and it's just another kind of example of like the castle being there and being another character um, and being on the side of righteousness. Um, and that Neville, t not only, like, I mean, he goes to the Room of Requirement to hide for himself, but then he also makes it very open and inviting for other people that need to hide, right? Like, because he could have made it so that no one could find him in the room. Mm -hmm. But instead, it was, like, anyone who 
needs to be safe from the Karas can come. And so he makes this space to allow a lot of other people to be safe in the castle. Um, makes the dream work. Right. And, and then he also, you know, continues the fight, uses his privilege um, to help others and yeah, Neville, he's just the best. You know, we should all just strive to be Neville Longbottom. What would Neville do? Um, Neville, like if Lily Neville, I mean, if Lily Luna can exist, then Albus Neville could have. Right? Right. Um, Also, Bayana MVP's Neville. Bianca MVP's Neville Longbottom for carrying the torch and keeping the DA alive and kicking and for being a good ally. Maggie MVP's Lavender for being the reason the room of requirement didn't kill the trio with the stench once they got there. Yeah. She's the reason Harry lived long enough to face Voldemort. And Voldemort didn't um, even know, so he would make sense that where he couldn't smell the kids, but come on, y'all right. got this. Right. Mm-hmm. They MVP's Neville for being a ride or die, a spoon coon. <laughs> Ace Bukuda. <laughs> Not heard that before. Um, for stepping up when Harry spot for stepping up in Harry's spot of standing up to evil at Hogwarts and filling. And for being an A plus ally. I'm glad he finally got approved from approval from his granny, but he seems like he needed it less. Uh Latte Longbottom MVPs. Guess who? Neville Longbottom. He continues to show up and show out. He's tall, strong, and just amazing. He recognizes his privilege to play his part in the resistance. Honorable mention to Grand because she's an OG and did that thing. Amani MVP's Neville motherfucking Longbottom for being the trillist to ever do it, holding it down as a real ride or die and always punching Nazis in the face. Dilia MVP's Neville Longbottom. He's her hero. And he's our hero. <laughs> gonna take Death Eaters down to zero. Deb, MVP's black women. Everything ain't evergreen statement, girl. Evergreen. Um, okay, benched. Um, I'm benching. Hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna bench uh the Death Eaters. And Jenny. <laughs> I benched the Death Eaters, especially the Carol specifically. I want to, uh, yeah, Snape didn't do anything to shut it for me to like have to come for him. But the Carols, because y'all literally are wrapping up 11 year olds in chains and having kids torture each other for your own amusement, just for them to have to suffer this cruelty and trauma. Who knows how many effing years of freaking therapy they're going to need? Who knows how many of them are actually going to be able to seek the therapy? Lord knows that the freaking ministry doesn't provide any social services that would help them decide that they need those. So what the Carols have done unspeakable damage for her untold generations and they deserve the hottest fire that Dylan could ever spit. Like they deserve friend fiend. They deserve it all. <laughs> that Dylan could ever spit. I'm oh um, um, and then also Jenny because, and y'all know why Jenny, but mostly because, girl, seriously, if he wants you, he wants you. Let him do, let him have his moment with um, Cho to get the closure, if that's what they're going to do. 
if they're going to start something off, that's what they're going to do and have confidence. And if you're going to make it with him, you're going to make it with him. But otherwise, keep yourself to yourself. Keep yourself to yourself. I have to also bitch the Karos because you are torturing 11-year-old babies. You're making students torture each other. Um, actually, you know what? I'm going to have to just give it to all the Death Eaters because Snape is sitting here Polish. as headmaster sanctioning this. And they're all doing it un for t under Tomothy's name. And, um, yeah, I just all of the Death Eaters as a unit need to sit the hell down. Dollish is out here getting got by Granny, so, you know, at least he got his comeuppance. But, like, you're going after the a grandchild because of something their grandson has done. And uh, you're going after a grandmother because of something their grandchild has done and, like, all of them just, just you're sit. showing how powerless you are that you have to go find a whole other person to make one person bend to your will. A kid, you don't have the power to make a freaking Why are you so worried about world domination? Don't nobody want you like fascism, man. Fascism, right? Neville said, Return to Cinder, do not want. Mm -mm. Um, Bayana benches, and she wrote this. Tomwell. Tomwell Voldemort. So Tomwell Riddle, I guess. Sorry. Um, they benches my laptop and Porsche's router, which, you know, valid. Yep. Technology never loved us. Um, Delia benches Jenny. Girl, if you don't chill, this ain't about you. Bianca benches the Karas for torturing kids, putting baby babies in cages and for trying to fully integrate Nazi propaganda into school lessons. Y'all are trash and dumb and why and that's why you got outwitted by children. And Snape, because he let all of this go down, man is always trash today, tomorrow, and a million years into the future. Maggie benches Snape for hiding behind his cover, quote unquote, while Death Eaters chained up children and tortured them. This is your redemption? Sure, Dan. They benches Jenny. Unfortunately, they love Jenny, but for real, stay your ass at home. You're distracting the main warrior and you're being jealous, not needlessly, but girl, you won. Amani benches the unwashed masses of boys. Yes. If y'all trifling, stank ass fools, don't clean your mess and wash your ass. Latte benches dude, uh, Ron, dude, be humble. Um, Deb also benches Teenage boys and abusive teachers who are grown enough to know better. Mm-hmm. Evergreen well, statement. Deb is never not one. Yep. Always here with the truth. Latte says, Jenny knows the only reason he's hooked is because she's his first. So if he gets another, he has something to compare it to. Mm. Ooh. Latte, write that fanfic too. Right. You know, you got you got time. You know, yeah. Perry cool. gets some some. It gets a taste of something else and then realizes that porridge is porridge. Um, Maggie also says Snape could have come up with some manipulative persuasion to stop the Death Eaters from torturing children, which is true. But he reveled in torturing children. Right? He did it while he was a teacher. Why wouldn't he allow it to continue while he was headmaster? And, you know, I honestly think that, you know, as long as there wasn't nobody in the Slytherin house, I don't think he really was prepared to, ca to care that much about it. He was not Quite pressed. Crazy. He was not pressed. He was like, do what you gotta do. Just don't kill him. 
I, I, we we glossed over this, but Filch was also kind of in this, and that he was also patrolling and stuff, and ready to turn people into the Caros. So that's another person in the system who is being. I wanted to talk about him for a second, but I'm just like, oh, Filch, just where he is in this, it's just like disgusting. He's basically like Fenrir Greyback. Right. They don't want your yo um squib ass in a world order. He's like you're not the percent of the wizarding worlds, or yeah, yeah, mm. the fifty percent. Mm-hmm. Got me talking about. I didn't know that that when I voted for them, that meant they were going to deport me. Mm-hmm. And all right, <laughs> thank you guys for listening. Thanks for following along with your um for those in our Patronus chat. Next week we'll be discussing. Chapter 30 of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, The Sacking of Severus Snape. I cannot wait. McG comes through like a G. It's real. McG shows you why she Mm -hmm. got her name. Make sure to follow along and let us know who you think is the real MVP and who is benched for the chapter. And if you want to join the conversation, follow us on Twitter at WeBlackAndNerds. Hashtag Wizard Team. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me.